as it deals with our topic of the day here. So uh, now to some of you who are younger, obviously, when I say old, that has no meaning. Uh, because you may or may not recognize the song, but for those of us who are a little older. the song doesn't have to end that way doesn't have to end that way for anybody right now so there could be more all my life is Christ in love Jesus sent his spirit from above and now second coming I'm assured and now I know I'm ready 
There's still time to change your mind. Follow Christ and leave your sins behind. There's still time to change your mind. Follow Christ and leave your sins behind. Leave this world behind. Don't be left behind. Father, I pray that you'd help us as we open up your word, that you would speak to each of us this day. As we think about being ready for your return. And what that means for us and for those around us. As we open our hearts and open your word, open our not only our minds to understand, but the very depths of our soul to grasp what you were about and what you were about to do. Move and work in this time as only you can do. We commit it to you. In your name. Let's look at First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Now, some of you probably may have recognized the song I sang. How many of you were old enough? We all, you know, you know that song. Oh, you know, so I wish we'd all been ready. And in many ways, uh, it, it, it is thought of as a rapture. I know there's other ways of, of looking at that, but many look at that as kind of a, a rapture kind of song. And are we ready? Are we preparing for the return that soon and very soon we're going to see the king? I don't know if we're ready, and so I think that we need to get ready. I think that we need a little rapture practice. Did anybody do this long ago as well? You know, I don't know if it was done at this church. Not all of you have been to this church the whole time. So, you know, it's important. Uh, rapture, uh, you've, if you haven't heard of rapture practice, what it does is, uh, I, you know, the person up front would just shout, rapture practice, and from your seats... You would jump up and hold your hands in the air, uh, just kind of getting ready in position. 
you know, because you're going to meet Jesus. It's kind of like, like a little, okay, here we go, we're ready. So we're going to try that this morning. Everybody ready? We'll put stuff down. We got to get ready for Jesus. He's coming. And uh, rapture practice. Whoa, pretty good. Some of you are going to be a little behind some of the others. Uh, but you're still going to get up there. Uh, yeah, and some of us have a little more jump yet in us. Uh, so now let's, let's be real. That seems a little bit like I'm not sure uh, that somehow rapture calisthenics is what's going to prepare us uh, for Jesus coming back. Uh, we did do those things. Sometimes people would just call out in the middle. This is years ago. Rapture practice! You know, and you know, it's just kind of crazy. Uh, it wasn't necessarily in the middle of a service, by the way, but it was something that... What is it, then, if that's not it, when we think about getting ready? Now, we've already talked. If you go back to some of the first messages, I encourage you, if you haven't, to go back and listen. You can listen online, not only on our website, but also go to Facebook or YouTube and see all of these. Uh, it, we've talked about what it means to get ready for this. But there is even a, a more basic thing that needs to happen, I think, in many of the things that we're going to be talking about. And, and that is not what we need to do to get ready, but the first thing we need to do is grasp what we are getting ready for. How can you be ready for something if you don't know what it is, if you don't understand what's going to happen? It becomes difficult to actually be ready. I mean, we talk about our our spiritual condition, all those kind of things, but we also need to grasp what the rapture is and what we're getting ready for, how to get ready uh, with that. And so this morning we're going to divide the rapture, as we think about the rapture, into two different points. And the first one is, are you ready for Jesus to come for all his church? The first part of this teaching, as we see here in 1 Thessalonians 4, is Jesus comes for all of his church. In many ways, the whole point that Paul is bringing this up, uh, this whole topic up, is confusion that has happened. That's why I say we need to understand what. If we're going to be ready, we need to understand what it is, what was going to happen. What they thought, for some, had thought had already happened as it dealt with those who had died in Christ or those as dealt with Jesus coming. Did they miss it? Did they miss it? Or are they going to miss it? You know, not just themselves, but what about those who have died? Believers at this time, as Paul is speaking to them here in chapter 4, were apparently not just concerned, but some even distraught about themselves or about their loved ones who knew Christ and already died. And so Paul starts in verse 13, Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant. We want you to know and understand, to grasp what we're talking about here. And that's what I'm trying to say as we're looking at this message. We, need, we don't want to be ignorant. We want to understand about this, about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Now note in the Bible, it's talking here about death and oftentimes talk about death in a sense of analogy of sleep at least for those who are believers, that sleep. Uh, therefore, when we think about death, it's not something you think of necessarily some horrible thing where you just cease to exist, but rather it's the beginning of rest. And there's a sense that here that he is saying that they should not grieve like the rest 
of the world, of those who have no hope in Christ, that have no hope in the resurrection of unto eternal life, which is what verse 14 is saying. You see, as you think of verse 14 there, Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus rose, so therefore we will rise. Death is not the period at the end of a sentence, as we said before, but at the worst, it's just a comma in the middle of the sentence that will continue to go on and on with no end so all our life. I read about somebody telling uh, another believer in Christ, uh, going to another believer in Christ whose wife had died. And they came up to this man and they they just wanted to let him know, listen, I'm so sorry that, that you've lost your wife. And the husband said back, I did not lose her. You haven't lost something if you know where it is. There is hope in Jesus. He's come for us. Now, now we have to understand this, and, and, and there are some that have misunderstood, have taken a whole different kind of teaching or doctrine that some call soul sleep. That's where they would say that when someone dies, they basically just enter into a dormant sleep stage, waiting until the final judgment, which would mean that those Christians who have died do not get to be resurrected. They do not get to be with Jesus, at least until the rapture or even beyond, really, into the final judgment. There's nothing. They just kind of just are in limbo, in stasis there. Because we would say, though, uh, we would say that's not right because we believe that they're already with Jesus. The fact is when our body dies and goes down into the grave, our soul or our spirit, who we are in a sense, gets to be with Jesus. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8, to be absent from the body is to be present or at home with the Lord. In other words, those Christians whose body dies immediately go into the presence of the Lord. As Romans 8 tells us in 35 and on about there is neither death nor life, uh, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Not death. Cannot separate us from Him. There's not this, this somehow, all right, we're walking with Jesus in this life and then we die and now we're separated from Him. We're, we're so sleeping until we get the chance to join Him. That No, that's not what this is about. We need to understand that in a real sense, it's about the resurrection of the body, not the resurrection of a soul that somehow is stuck in limbo someplace. There's just, it's just to say there's no such thing as soul sleep. We're thinking about this. Another question on people's minds is if the person has been dead for so, such a long time, and we're talking about what's happening when Jesus comes for his, his church, is that we're raised up in, in a new body. Uh, the person that's been dead so long, they've probably just turned to dust. So how are they, you know, you know there's those kind of questions that some have had, uh, uh, and I'm sure even in Paul's days, well, what, what, what's happened? It's, Jesus is coming back, but it's been a long time. What's there to resurrect? What's there to transform into a new body if they're just turned to dust but that's not really a problem for god in genesis 1 7 the lord god formed man from what the dust 
of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and then man became a living being. It's not hard for God to do that. But for the Thessalonians, there can be, and others even today, there can be a lot of confusion surrounding what happens when we die and when Christ comes. We talk about looking forward to eternal life, but some only think of eternal life as our soul or our spirit existing for eternity not recognizing there is a final reverse the curse thing yet to happen. A final reverse the curse from what happened at the very beginning. So not only that we will not die, but we will get new bodies that are set free, that, that, that are glorified bodies set free from death and sickness and sin. So that Jesus coming, coming for his church, is coming and raising them up and glorified in new bodies. It's something that 1 Corinthians chapter 15 speaks of. I, up on the screen here, I declare to you, brothers and sisters, the flesh, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep. We will be changed. And remember, it's not just about sleep. We're not having naps here. Asleep. Oh, we will be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. Talking about our, 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 who we are, our being, you know, the, the old body being get, taken away. Uh, in fact, let's move on with the, in the verses here. For the perishable, that's this right here, must clothe itself with the imperishable, a glorified body. The mortal, that's this, with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written has come true, death has been swallowed up in victory. Change, new bodies, raised in that rapture of what Jesus did. Another question that comes up for those who are thinking, well, what happens about children who have believed, uh, who have not yet believed or trusted in Jesus for their salvation, but they're really not at the point where they understand all that they need to do to make such a decision. They've not, as sometimes we say, reached the age of accountability for them. Well, first off, let's be clear, the Bible doesn't specifically say about this, doesn't specifically address this as it deals with the rapture, but... We do have Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 19. Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs, present tense, the kingdom already belongs to such as these. And so we believe, when we're thinking about this even as it deals with um, the rapture, that they would be welcomed, children would be welcomed in by grace because they already are are in by this verse and others that we would read so there's no reason to be concerned about those who have died there's nothing to worry about because uh, those who have died in christ nothing to worry about because they actually will go before those who are alive as we go on in our verses here to verse 15 according to the lord's own word we tell you we who are still alive who are left till the coming of the lord will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. The dead in Christ will rise first. So there's a sense that there are Christians, as it begins here, there are Christians, verse 15, who will be alive when the Lord comes back at the rapture. And therefore, 
at that moment they will be instantaneously transformed into the new and glorified body. But see, for some people that's just hard to grasp, and probably in that time, in Paul's time, it's hard to grasp, it's hard for others to... Well, how can we be... How can we be taken up with Christ, but we don't die? But we didn't die first. How can we go to be with Christ and yet have not have actually our body has not died? I mean, that, that, that makes some people think when we're talking about the rapture that that's not real. That's not really what's going to happen. That's not the thing. But there are real examples of such things happening, of people being caught up, being translated away, alive, and not dying first. Think about Enoch. Think about Elijah. Even in a, in a different kind of sense, think about Philip in Acts 8, 39 and 40. And when they, when he and the Ethiopian eunuch, and, and when they came up out of the water after baptizing, when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus. So this whole thinking that, okay, we're alive, we're here, Jesus comes back for his church, and we're taken up, we're translated out of this sphere here up into the clouds with Jesus is not just some new kind of thinking that how could that possibly happen? Next week in part two of this about the rapture, we're going to get into specific views about the rapture, whether it takes place before, during, or after the tribulation, in other words, pre, mid, or post-tribulation. Nonetheless, uh, we need to deal this week with a different, incorrect kind of view. We need to deal with a different type. Uh, there are those who will try to argue for a partial rapture. There are those who will argue for a partial, partial rapture, meaning that only part of the church, Christians, are going to be raptured. So not all believers will be taken at the rapture of the church, but only those who have reached a certain level spiritually and are ready, watching, faithful, holy Christians doing right things. But if you are not, if you are immature, if you are backsliding, if you are engaged in something that's not quite a, a, approved in any way, when Jesus comes back, you will be left behind until you get your act together, which, if we've got this down right, you'll pretty much be at least entering or already in the tribulation. And so you're going to get your act together in the tribulation or die, and then, then you do have it together because if you die, then you'll get to be with Jesus. But you don't get to do the rapture part uh, because you weren't, ready you didn't have it together it's a partial rapture uh, that that they would talk about the problem with this is that first of all it is by grace that we are saved it is by grace that we are sanctified and it will be by grace that we are raptured everything is by grace we did not nor will we ever make it to heaven by our works we know this verse Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and it's not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. If we are getting raptured and get to go home, or get our, our new bodies and get to be with Jesus because of something we did, it is something we boast. It is a work versus the grace of God. 
that allows us to do that. And for all that matters, if we want to think about it, if we somehow think that our own righteousness, that somehow it is by our own righteousness that we are worthy to be raptured, do we forget what the Bible says our own righteousness is? But filthy rags. I don't think those are the clothes that are ready to go with Jesus. It's not about our own clothes and what we're doing. The partial rapture view does not fully grasp the depth of the death of Jesus Christ on the cross for our sin that delivers us from condemnation into a full, redeemed, reconciled relationship with God. Romans 8.1 tells us, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Here's another problem with this view, this partial rapture, and that is that they're saying not all Christians who are alive will actually be ready and worthy to be taken because of their spiritual condition, right? That's what that's what it's saying. They're saying not all of them are going to be able to get, be raptured because of their spiritual condition. They're not measuring up. You don't get to go up. But since the rapture is not just about the living but about the dead because that's what this first verses are talking to us about, right? Since the rapture is about not just the living, but those who have died, if you're going to be consistent with this view, this partial rapture view, then you've got to say that those who died in Christ, and when they died, were not ready, were not qualified for a rapture, they were not rapture ready when they died, then they should just be still left in the grave. And if you're going to hold that view then only those, Christians who, the, only those Christians who were good enough get taken, then that means even those who died, if not just those who are alive are good enough get taken, but those who died and were good enough will be able to get taken. The rest of them stayed. But here's the problem with that. First of all, we know that those who died, we've already talked about it, to be absent from the body is present of the Lord. Those who died are already with Christ already have gone to be with Christ. And even more to the point, in verse 14 here, we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in Him. You see, he's saying here that all who have died, all who have fallen asleep in Jesus, those who have died in Christ, Jesus is going to bring with Him all who have died in Christ. That's what it says but that's in direct contradiction to a partial rapture view. You can't, Jesus can't be bringing with him all who have died in Christ if it's only a, a rapture of those who are worthy. Obviously, it contradicts. It, it comes down to really, are we ready for Jesus to come for all his church? But the, the second part of this is, are you ready for his church to be caught up to finally meet Christ. Verse 17. Verse 17, it talks about how we will be caught up in the clouds to meet Jesus in the air. Let's look at verse 17. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. It's about finally meeting Christ. It's getting caught up with Him uh, a sense about talking by saying that we're going to be caught up in the clouds with him in verse 17 creates a reality-based description that this isn't just like oh you know there's going to come time we get to go up and be with Jesus in heaven 
He's saying here's a specific location. Not just we're just going to go up and with in heaven. We're going to go up and meet the Lord in the air, in the sky where the clouds are, a special meeting that takes place. The rapture. The first part and yet different from the full second coming. And there are some that question this that would say to the point, yeah, I, there are many other questions about the rapture. I don't think it really is something that's... It's something we've made up. Because the word rapture itself does not... is not in the Bible. So, therefore, there's no such thing as a rapture because the word is not in the Bible. Neither is Trinity. And yet we clearly see the concept of God, the three in one, in the word of God. In fact, neither is the word Bible in the Bible. So where do you go with that one? If you're going to use these arguments that the wor- that word is not used in there. Because the word rapture is not in the Bible does not mean that it does not exist. That it's not something that we... There's a teaching that is there. Uh, it, it somehow... And somebody said, well, we've just kind of made it up because it's, there's just a second coming only of Christ. There, there is no rapture. There's only the second coming of Christ. The one thing, not the rapture. Because the word is not in there. And I would reply back, and I, I just tried doing a search of this this week. I looked through, and I couldn't find the word second coming in our Bible. So your argument... <laughs> doesn't go anywhere and say, well, there's no rapture, but there is a second coming because rapture is not in the Bible. Guess what? You should have probably checked to see that second coming's not actually in there as well in the actual words that are used. But does that prove anything? That the exact English, the exact English words that we use in 2021 are not in the Bible. That somehow it's not valid that's not a valid argument. Because in the end, you would have to say Jesus is not coming again because you don't find that particular word. And unfortunately, there are those who are being taught in our churches that there is no uh, rapture. There is no such thing as all of this. And ultimately, and hopefully, we understand that the words that were used in the original were not English. I mean, I, I remember talking with somebody at college. <laughs> uh, and some other is really just, yo, it got dropped down just like this right here, English. It was written in, in, in Hebrew, uh, the Old Testament mainly in Hebrew and New Testament mainly in Greek. And so where we get this concept of rapture is that, first of all, it's a teaching within the Word of God. We're looking at one of the passages right here today. But where we get the word rapture actually comes from the Latin. And we say, well, the Latin? Well, and I'm not going to get into it, and it's a little strange, but uh, before people got it translated in their own language, the Bible, as, as it was going on, you know, after Greek, and Eng- after Greek and Hebrew, there was the Latin version of the Bible. Uh, there was a Septuagint. There was the... Uh, Latin Vulgate, there was all those kind of things that were used. And so in the Latin, the word rapto is what is used here in verse 17 for where it says, we who are left will be caught up together. 
So where we would get that word rapture, where we get, even in talking about that concept of being caught up, is that word right there. And it means to seize, to snatch away with the purpose of removing and carrying off something that's quickly taken with force. How quick? First, uh, First Corinthians 15, we talked about earlier, in the blink of an eye. So we are raised up, we are caught up swiftly and suddenly with Christ to finally meet Him in the air. And getting ready, it's important for us to understand that difference then between Christ coming for His church in the rapture and Christ coming with His church in what we would say is that final second coming. We'll talk further about this when we get talking about the second coming of Christ when, and that is when He comes with His saints to take over and begin the millennium, the thousand-year reign. And we understand that there is a distinct difference between those two separate events. Although how far apart they are separated depends on your view, and we'll talk about that next week. And understand, even as we're talking about the rapture and all of this, there is, there is room to say, where do we stand? The Christian Mission Alliance doesn't make a stand on pre, mid, or post and all of that. They do make a stand on other things, but not on that particular. So let's think about it this way so that we understand what we're talking about in the rapture is to kind of divide this out to understand that why do we see these as two distinct things, as two separate events, so to speak, the rapture and the second coming. First of all, the rapture is where Jesus comes for his saints and the second coming is when Jesus comes with his saints. That is probably the basic definition of of those when you put it understanding that for both of these it's a real personal coming of Christ it is the real personal coming of Christ but this in the rapture two very distinct scenarios one of them is where Jesus will come in the air we're reading about it here but when you read about the second coming it says Jesus will come on the earth his feet on the ground visibly literally uh, Zechariah 14, verse 4. On that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives east of Jerusalem, and the Mount of Olives will be split and from the east to the west, forming a great valley. Here's another thing. The rapture will, for the most part, only be seen by believers who are participating in that. I mean, the actual seeing Jesus at the rapture will be those who are believers. But at the second coming, it, he will be visible to all. To all, after everything is fulfilled in preparation for it. Next, the rapture can happen at any moment. There is not anything left in Scripture to be finished, but the second, but for the second coming will only happen after certain things are accomplished first. The second coming requires there are certain things to happen, like in just going over from here where we're at in First Thessalonians, just going over to Second Thessalonians chapter two. Verse 3, where it says, Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. So don't let anybody tell you that it's already come or it's going to come in any moment. It won't come until this. It says in Second Thessalonians, talking about the second coming, and we see the difference between those two. And some ways we can think about the rapture of Jesus saying, like, and we'll look at this in a moment in John 14, where he's saying, wait right here, I'm coming back for you. Wait right here, I'm coming back. Whereas the second coming is, you better not be here when I come, because, you know, one of those, 
I'll be back. Uh, this is an I'll be back that, he, that it's going to happen. Next, the rapture primarily is about believers, whereas the second, to some degree, uh, the second coming is about unbelievers. The rapture in verse 18 tells us is about bringing encouragement, but the second coming is about bringing judgment. Do we see how different, as I've gone through each of these, how different these two things are, and we're seeing them as distinct, different events, separate events that are taking place. As we think about the judgments coming in Revelation 19 and verse 14. The most important point about the rapture is that we will meet Christ and not be separated again. This is what he promised. He promised us, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have not told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. This is Jesus' promise. <clears throat> this is Jesus' promise, not just of heaven someday, but his promise of his presence personally literally coming and getting us off this earth and taking us with him to heaven. This, it, you see it right here. Oftentimes we read this verse, I, I know, we read it during funerals. At a funeral time, somebody dies and, and, the, and there's comfort in this and knowing Jesus had prepared a place for us. But really think about this for a moment, as much as we might use it in funerals, think about the even greater application, especially in verse 3 here, the greater application to the rapture. Just that we will go, you know, because what, when we think about it in a funeral, we think, okay, we die and we get to go to be with Jesus where he's prepared a place. There's already a place for him. He's, already, he's waiting for us. There's a home that's awaiting us. But what does verse 3 3? If I go and prepare a place for you, not you will come up with me. You will come to me in heaven where I've already prepared a place. Verse 3, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. In many ways, a perfect description of the rapture. I will come back to take you to be with me. That place, raising us up in glorified bodies and coming with him in that moment, Jesus coming for his people. This is a day when our faith will be turned to sight. The rapture is not merely about leaving this earth. It's about being with Jesus. And that's ultimately what heaven is about, finally being home with him. It's not about streets of gold. It's not about pearly gates. It's not about meeting loved ones. It is about today. You will be with me. So are you ready? As verse 16 and 17 uh, tells us, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more and the morning breaks eternal bright and fair when the saved of earth shall gather over on the other shore and the roll is called up yonder i'll be there when the roll is called up yonder i'll be there on that bright and cloudless morning when the dead in christ shall rise and the glory of his resurrection share when his chosen ones shall gather to their home beyond the skies and the roll is called up yonder i'll be there 
Let us labor for the master from the dawn till setting sun. Let us talk of his wondrous love and care. Then when all this life is over and our work on earth is done and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Are you ready at any moment for the sound of that trumpet, for the sound of the command, for the battle cry of awakening Christ? Just as Jesus called Lazarus to come forth out of the grave, alive. So too there will be a shout for all those people to rise up. Come forth, rise up and meet him in the air. Oh, the, our, our, our soul united with the, our, our glorified body. Now we got this. But what are we supposed to do with it? Verse 18. Therefore encourage each other with these words. This is the practical part. Sometimes, oh, I just wanted to know. I'm just curious. No, it's not just about curious. Here, now that you know, encourage one another. Comfort one another who may be grieving about uh, those who are concerned about death of, of loved ones or themselves. Those who just need general encouragement of what they're going through. Looking forward to that day. The good news awaiting Jesus who promised to come for us. To celebrate. To anticipate in hope. Ask the worship team to come and let's, uh, let's pray together. Father, thank you for our time. Just ask that you would move and work in us, not only to be ready, but as we understand what's to take place, to have a hope and anticipation, a celebration that you're coming back again. Lord, that... that that you're coming back for all of your people. And they want to meet us in the air. Finally meet face to face. Not just for a visit, but for eternity. May we be encouraged about what's to happen, that you've got this, you've got us. And may we reach out to those who need to be encouraged by this and some who need to be exhorted. That the time is coming when you are coming. Move in us, in Jesus' name.